it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Whether you're looking to occupy yourself on road trips or traveling for the holidays or to occupy yourself because you're not seeing family as much this holiday season, why not settle in and listen to a good book? Audible is a leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases like the Young Bucks autobiography to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more like original entertainment and now podcasts. And recently, Audible's launched a new plan, Audible Plus. With Audible Plus, you get full access to their Plus catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of popular shows, as well as exclusive series. Audible Plus connects you with tons of content that entertains, inspires, and informs. It's easy to find just the right listen, whether it's comedy, romance, suspense, true crime, science fiction, fitness and wellness, or, yes, many pro wrestling selections. You can even squeeze in a workout or guided meditation without having to go to a gym or class. And with everything you want to listen to all in one app, Audible Plus can truly become your playlist for life. It's only $4.95 per month for your first six months. Choose your plan and start a free trial. So go to audible.com wade or text wade to 500-500. And you can try Audible Plus for free or Audible Premium Plus for free. And you can make your free selection, The Young Bucks Killing the Business Book that just came out last week. Again, that's audible.com slash wade or text wade to 500-500. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get to that budget just as soon as I... Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for the weekly flagship, talking current events in pro wrestling. 
All right, for a special Thanksgiving edition of the Weight Keller Processing Podcast flagship, I am joined by an old friend and colleague, former Pro Wrestling Torch assistant editor, James Caldwell. James, somebody asked about you last, I think it was last week, a caller, and uh, and I was like, what well, would be kind of cool to do on Thanksgiving for our show? And I was like, let's catch up with James. So reached out to you, and look, here you are. <laughs> well, thanks for having me back, Wade. Uh, it's been a little bit more than four years. Can you yeah. believe that? Yeah. I mean, I kind of do. A lot's happened, but at the same time, it, it has that... It feels just like yesterday. I, I, I think it was. I started realizing uh, in some of my work that it was like five years ago that we launched the new website. You know, the new design, the overhaul. And I remember how excited you were about that. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I know it's been less than five years that James was gone. It was about a year or so later, and then here we are. I know it's it's amazing. You know, and I, I saw that you also relaunched a new design to the website. I checked out the web. I was like, oh yeah, it's funny. Because- I actually checked out the website over the weekend, and I said, oh, there's new design, new branding, a little bit slightly variation of the colors, and and uh, and then you emailed me um, uh, a couple, you know, a day or, a day or two ago, and um, here we are having a conversation, and it just feels like old times again. So for people who aren't familiar, because we got some new people, um, just give a little uh, brief background on, on kind of your journey through the torch. Um, hierarchy so to speak to the assistant editorship and then um we'll reflect a little bit on where things were versus where they are now because you're still keeping a peripheral eye on 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 the industry but just don't have the time to follow it as closely and as sometimes happens when something is your job it's hard to then turn it back into a hobby um but we'll, we'll talk about that process too with you and then also i know you attended the royal rumble earlier this year and mm-hmm. you've uh, watched some key segments over the past week that I want to talk to you about. So uh, a lot of cool things to talk about. But first, just kind of uh, talk about the timestamps and the and the journey around, so people kind of know who you are and what you did with the torch. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that earlier. I'm sure there's so many people that are like, "Who's this guy?" Um, but as well as well as the uh, the old faithful that tuned into the live cast when I hosted with you know Greg Parks and and. All my 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 friends from the wrestling days and Sean Radican and, and all those guys. Pat, Pat um, McNeil for the after shows. Pat McNeil, Bruce Mitchell, occasional occasional chat with Bruce. You know, uh, yeah. So I started. Where do we go back to? You know, I started contributing. I was a volunteer in the mid two thousand. So two thousand three, two thousand four. I was in college, and just started. You know, connecting with you, Wade, and contributing an article or two here and there. Uh, turn into, you know, being on California time, I was in college in California, I was able to stay up later than most people would start at where I would help you out with the newsletter, kind of help edit when you're putting together the newsletter late at night and you need some, just another set of eyes on content. And uh, I was like, well, hey, I'm, I'm awake and I'm over here in California where we're behind on time. Uh, so I was able to help out with that, which then led to uh, you bringing me on as a part-time columnist and uh, I always remember July 2005, we did the 31 Days of Caldwell. Yes. And 31 straight blogs. Yeah. Um, that was a fun time. <laughs> yes. That's, that was like... I think it's been 15 years since that. Wow. I mean, like, it being four years since you were full-time doesn't seem... That seems about right. But that being 15 years ago feels crazy. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I... Yeah. 
I, I don't know. So sometimes I, I just look back at timelines and it just blows my mind. Like, yeah. wow, that was 15 years ago. Um, and see, so, yeah, so I was part-time columnist and advanced up the ranks. And uh, I believe it was October of 2008 uh, is when you brought me on as full-time assistant editor. And so I left my post-college real estate job and uh, joined Torch full-time as assistant editor and just hit the ground running, pumping out content, covering as many wrestling shows as possible, going to tons of shows, uh, road trips on occasion, um, which I forgot one thing in between that was that you and I met in person. That's right, yep. In California, you filmed the, was it Ultimate Insiders? Was that yep. the, uh, yeah, was it the, the, it was the Hardys interview? Yeah, we did this uh, st- studio interview with the Hardys, we'll say. We'll call it. Man, that was, that was, it seems so long ago. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was that was a fun time. We met in person, got to connect, um, and then that kind of led to then you know, further on becoming part-time assistant or becoming full-time assistant editor. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we, Wade and I just every day we were just covering wrestling and, and, uh, the latest trends and doing pot. We, you know, we were kind of the pioneers of podcasting. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, for as far as wrestling goes, you know, like I, you know, I've been following what you've been doing, Wade, and I've seen how the podcast explosion has happened and you've taken advantage of it. Um, and so it's just kind of cool to see that we were on the ground floor of that. And now everybody's got a podcast, which is, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yes, yes. Just I think it is. I think just was it just two days ago that it was official? Everybody has a podcast? <laughs> if you don't have one by now, then I don't know what you're waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so what was it like? About eight years of full time? Seven, eight years? I think it was eight years. So it was yeah. October of 08 to about October of 16. Yeah, so about eight years. And then you drove um, you you broke the at home dress code too often, so I had to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did work in my PJs about three out of four days a week. <laughs> yes, you know, and then get in that two o'clock shower and feel like you're a normal person. You know, yes. but yeah, there you know there were there were times when when uh, I just like I just gotta get dressed. You know, I gotta. <laughs> yes. I feel, <laughs> that's it. how that's how I'm in the in the COVID era here in winter. It's like sweatpants. That's it. I do my laundry and I'm like. It's all sweatpants. And I was like thinking yesterday, I might just put on a pair of jeans like for old time's sake, <laughs> just to see what just that would like be. like a normal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting... There's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. 
You got about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members. Plus, tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post pay per view roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also, access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter that started it all, ad free access to our website, and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign up form. It's mobile friendly, desktop friendly. In two minutes, you can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So when you you, uh, left the torch... And you've gone on and done some other things. You can get into that or not. Um, you know, yeah. it's not a big deal. But um, how did it feel to suddenly not like be obligated to watch everything, follow everything, be in the news cycle? Like, was it because, you know, some people like they're lifelong fans and they just think, well, you know, that I can never not not watch wrestling. But, you know, sometimes when something is a job and you have to do it, 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 it doesn't mean you don't enjoy it, but it's kind of in a different category. And how did you adjust? Was it like, wow, I'm, I'm not going to watch Raw for a while? Like, I just, because I had to for so long, I'm going to not watch it and see how it feels. Like, what, what did you go through as far as that goes? You know, it was really interesting. It was very cold turkey. It was, you know, I wrapped up. I, I remember the, I think there was an NXT tournament that ended, like, the day before um, I was going to, like, wrap up. Like, it was, like, the Wednesday before I was going to finish, like, on a Friday or something. Um, and that tournament ended and it felt like, okay, this is the end. And I knew that I didn't have another job lined up. It was just that I knew that it was time. Uh, I just, you know, I remember emailing you Wade, and I said, I just, I'm so tired. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just because of Roman Reigns. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, I, it was, you know, ha- having a young family. I had at the time, my twin girls were one or two years old. I just, I had just been through a lot and it was, just, you know, just a different season and they were growing up and they were kind of crashing the home office environment. And, you know, I just, I felt so bad saying, you know, no, no, daddy's got to work. Um, and so, and I was just tired. There was so much content. There was so many TV shows. 
to cover so much news happening. And I just knew from my own personal health, I just, I just had to, to move on, uh, which was very hard. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, Wade, you have done so much for my career and you invested so much in me. And it was like the most painful email <laughs> I had ever, I've ever sent was, wait, I just, I can't I, do it anymore. I know you well enough to know the anguish when you hit send and the anxiety that you felt after hitting send and, and, and then waiting to hear back. Like, I know how that, and, you know, and so much is life now is done by email or messaging, you know, and all that. Um, and, you know, it's long distance. You're, you're in Houston and I'm up in the St. Paul market. So it's like there's no way to really do that in person. So I, I could just, I knew because I like know you well enough to know you're like, oh, and you click send. How did that feel? It was exactly as you described. I had so much anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I, I rewrote the email like seven times. Yeah. You know, because I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know how to word this. I, I, it was so difficult, you know, because like, do I really want to do this? Am I really ready to move on? Because again, I didn't have another job. It wasn't yeah. like I had another job lined up. And I was like, all right, wait, I found something else. I'm going to hit the road. And, and, you you know? and you didn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't like hate your job or dread your job. It just, you were at a point where you're like, life was different than it was just a few years earlier. And it was a grind and you just kind of were ready to hit refresh. Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, that's exactly way to describe it. And it, yeah, it was just a seasonal change, you know, and, um, and I mean, just, you know, I had, and by the way, I, I admire you for that. I think yeah. there's a lot of people who don't, who feel what you felt and don't have the, they don't, they don't, they don't they don't pull the trigger on it you know they 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 kind of stay with something that doesn't feel quite right and you know there are seasons and it's absolutely fine to move on and take a chance as you did you know i mean it's it's nothing to feel bad about in fact i think you should be proud of the fact that you're like if it just doesn't quite feel right because life changed in other ways um and you're you know kind of excited to see what's around the corner that's that again i think that's a good example you're setting a good example yeah, and I'll 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 reference this um, email I had with um, a source about a year before I left, and he he was talking about his own career journey, and he was telling me how like there were times where he wished that he would have done a seasonal change, but he didn't think that his skills would translate outside of wrestling. Ah, uh, it was yeah. it was that that bubble mentality of like, oh, I can only do what I'm good at in wrestling. Or, you know, no one else outside of wrestling will take me seriously. Um, and so that kind of stuck with me. And, you know, he was advanced on his career. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to make a change, I've got to do it now um, and see what else is out there. You know, I, I didn't know what else was out there as far as how my skills would translate. I mean, Wade, you invested so much in me in developing my writing skills, my editing skills, content management skills, all that sort of thing. Uh, and I just didn't know if it would translate. I had no idea. And that was that email conversation was playing in my head of like, do my skills translate outside wrestling? And I think that's such a, a challenge for so many people in wrestling is, you know, am I only as good as what I can do in the wrestling business? Um, and I think that's why you end up with so many lifers in wrestling, which is fine. Uh, it's just that I think that there's this mentality of like, this is the only thing I'm good at or the only thing I can do. Um, and I kind of wanted to test and see if that wasn't true if what I had, what I developed under your leadership could translate to, you know, a job outside of wrestling. Um, and it did. And it took a while. Um, I didn't have a job for 
I didn't, have a, I didn't have a full-time job for about four months. I was doing some freelance writing and reporting and different things. And then um, I connected with a, a marketing agency here in Houston. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was someone willing to take a chance on me, you know, not looking at the last thing on my resume. You know, the last thing on my resume is, you know, assistant editor for Pro Wrestling Magazine. And so many people looked at that and said, I don't know what that is or <laughs> yeah. like, what, what is that? <laughs> you know, and I'd explained it in an interview and they just sort of like, meh, they just kind of balked at it. But one agency, um, and our CEO's name is Terry. Um, she's amazing. And she, she said, you know, I'm, I think your skills can translate. And it was like, wow, like someone actually, you know, believed in me kind of like how you did when I was a part-time columnist in college. Um, and so, uh, I've been here for four years now. You know, I've been uh, part-time or kind of freelance part-time and now full-time for four years total with a marketing agency. And, like, everything that I learned at the Torch has helped me so much uh, in what I do now. I mean, I'm the uh, – first I was a copywriter and now I'm the content manager um, moving toward a directorship position. But, you know, just all the content tricks of the trade mm-hmm. that I learned, uh, just writing and editing and um, just coming up with a, a schedule of, of, you know, content for our clients, planning, all that kind of stuff uh, has really paid off. And, and yes, my skills do translate. <laughs> I can safely say that. Yeah, that's good. I'm breaking in here to let you know that we have a VIP flash sale going on this week. You get a full month of VIP membership for $2.20, or you can apply that discount of one month, which is $7.79, to a three-month or one-year sub also. So it'll knock $7.79 off a one-month, three-month, or one-year sub, but a one-month sub drops down to just $2.20. That'll take you pretty much through the end of the year for all of our VIP coverage, maybe help you through the holidays, gives you access to over 1,600 back issues, ad-free and plug-free versions of these shows, tons of VIP exclusives, a weekly Processing Torch newsletter with exclusive articles by me and other staff members. Check out what you're missing. Go VIP for $2.20. Go to pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That page will tell you all about VIP membership, all about the features. And then on our sign-up form, you can use a credit card, a debit card, or PayPal. Three different ways to pay. When you sign up, enter coupon code 2020FLASH. That's 2020FLASH to get that discount to bring a one-month sub down to $2.20. That's pwtorch.com slash govip, coupon code 2020FLASH. This sale will not last long, so act fast. Take advantage of it and enjoy all the VIP benefits for a full month for just $2.20. Give us a try or come on back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Rich Fan, host of The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling-related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Ernie Ladd? We gotcha. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not Boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, let's talk about the sort of uh, peripheral view you've had of wrestling, because I'm really interested yeah. in, you know, being as immersed in it as a fan, part-time with the torch, full-time with the torch. I'm going to ask an open-ended question first, because I have some specifics after that. But what, what seems most surprising, either because it's the same or it's different, about the industry today? I mean, you still got the Processing Torch newsletter in the mail. You're you're keeping up on on wrestling through that. You're, you've watched some stuff. You went to the Royal Rumble, like I said earlier this year. But what what jumps out is maybe most surprising that it's the same. And what's what's jumped out as the biggest change that that you didn't see coming, or that you think it just qualifies as the biggest change? I would say it's the emergence of AEW. Yeah, and I never thought that anyone would be able to. Um, not not to say that they're at the level of WWE, but that they're in the same ballpark. They're in the same sphere. And one of the things that I I think about with that is, you know, I just sort of, um, I just look at it, like you said, from the periphery. And so I remember uh, Sunday, it was a couple of Sunday nights ago uh, during, I was, you know, I was watching football on Fox and there was a commercial for SmackDown. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the late Sunday night game in, or the Sunday afternoon game in, she's flipping over to NBC to check out Sunday night football in the pregame. And there was a commercial for AEW during that. I was like, wow, like, 
<laughs> that's significant. You know, that's mm-hmm. not that's just that's not nothing. That's a big deal. And I thought the commercial was really captivating. Um, you know, I've kind of seen commercials for AEW like on TNT and you know like during the NBA and that kind of thing. Um, but to see a com- it was a really captivating commercial. Um, it grabbed my attention. Uh, I wanted to see what was going on, and so you know, it just AEW being at that level is. I just did not think anyone domestically would get there. I thought New Japan, maybe with their global reach, could get there, but it it seems like that hasn't happened. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but but AEW seems like wow, they've got they've got something going on. So that's a big surprise. Um, something that hasn't changed at all is, is, you know, Roman Reigns is still the guy uh, for WWE. He's still the guy they're building around. And, you know, obviously he had the heel turn a couple months ago. And um, we'll talk about that. But, uh, you know, that doesn't surprise me. I could just I could just see that, you know, years and years ago that he was, he was their next Cena, the guy they were going to stick with as the top guy for decades or longer, um, and and that has you know definitely come to pass. There's some ups and downs with his health, but you know at the end of the day, he's the guy that they're building this company around, um, and so that doesn't surprise me, and it hasn't really changed at all in the last four years. So Roman Reigns, uh, you you watched the um, contract signing with Drew McIntyre and Roman from last Friday for years hosting podcasts, uh, the live cast. People would call up and go, John Cena should turn heel. Why won't they turn John Cena heel? And then it turned into Roman Reigns. Uh, he, you know, should it be a heel or should it be a face? He's probably going to be better off as a heel. It just seems like that's more, it's, it's a better fit for his charisma and his demeanor and everything. And I, I advocated that, you know, I, it's not that I didn't think Roman Reigns should be the top guy. It's that I thought he should be the top guy as a heel. I thought he'd be a great heel. He's turned out to be a great heel um, in in the last you know just few months here. What did you think mm-hmm. watching both uh, both Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns in their current roles? Because Drew went on quite the journey during your time covering wrestling full time too, and now mm-hmm. he's gotten back to where he said he he was determined to be, which is a top guy in WWE. And I, I think the best fit for him is being a top babyface. Um, you know he's he's bigger than some of the heels he faces, and that's a downside. But what, what did you think of the dynamic between those two, and seeing Roman do what you know we, a lot of us wanted to just see John Cena do? I, I don't know that John mm-hmm. Cena would have been that there would have been as big of a swing with Cena from uh, babyface to heel in terms of improvement. I think it would have been novel, uh, but it wouldn't have been as much of an improvement. But with Reigns, you know the the consensus is. He's phenomenal as a heel, and he didn't seem particularly sincere or invested or effective or maybe just kind of too one-dimensional, a little too one-dimensional as a babyface fitting kind of a corporate mold. What, what jumped out to you when you watched that? Yeah, there were a lot of different things. Uh, it was it, it was better to see Reigns in a heel role. Uh, I absolutely think he's better off in that role. I just I think he just he lends himself more to that than as a babyface. He just there's just something about him that is off-putting um, as a character, uh, which I think is why he's so much better as a heel. Um, even when, you know, I look at that contract signing, he was much more composed. He was much more in tune with himself, it seemed like. I just think as a face, he was just forcing it. And it was so transparent that he just could not... You know, I, I guess I didn't know what he was trying to be as a, as a lead baby face. I don't know if he was trying to be like Cena or trying to be like somebody else, but... 
it just never felt natural. Uh, and so I think that was frustrating for a lot of fans and myself covering it. It was like, just turn the guy heel and let's see what happens. And I think he was much more composed. There's still some times where the, the, the okay acting kicks in where he just a little bit off. Um, but I think overall the demeanor was much better as a heel. Um, I just like his presence better. I don't know what it is. I can't, you know, it's like that it factor. That's just a lot better yeah. in this role, uh, which I enjoyed. And then Drew McIntyre, you know, wait, I can't remember what promotion he was in four years ago when <laughs> I left. I mean, he, he bounced around every promotion. Um, I mean, my gosh, he was just everywhere. And now, you know, fast forward to 2020 and, you know, I was at the Royal Rumble uh, in Houston at Minute Maid Park. I couldn't pass that up. My uh, my yeah. favorite wrestling event, plus that our you know hometown ballpark, uh, once in a lifetime event. I just couldn't pass it up. So I went went with some friends, and you know, I was just a casual observer of what was going on. I wasn't you know I wasn't sitting there you know doing a play by play and with my reporter hat on. It was just more just observing, just watching. Like what you know, what's the reaction? Um, how are wrestlers presenting themselves? Well, who's over? Who's not over? And, you know, it was just so fascinating to see Drew in this main event status position because of the journey he'd been on uh, and just all the ups and downs. And now he finally solidified himself as a big deal. Um, and it was just such a monstrous reaction when he won. When he won the Rumble, uh, when he eliminated Brock, it was, you know, it was thunderous. And it really solidified him as a star. Um, so I was, I was kind of disappointed to read that he, you know, he dropped the title and he won it back, you know, recently. And I remember reading in your, your recap of that weight in the new, newsletter was how, you know, how disappointed it was that he didn't have a chance to have this run in front of a live audience. Um, and for, you know, have that live crowd interaction and, and to present him as a bigger deal. Uh, as he kind of marched along, because it was such a huge thing when he won the Rumble, uh, and Roy was solidified as a big star. Had that crowd uh, validation, that energy yeah. that you know that would buoy the the babyface character. Absolutely, and, and the, gosh, I just wish he could have had that for the the six months or seven months that he was champ, uh, or you know, however that math added up. But yeah. uh, man, I just I, I really hope that they can recapture that when fans can get back in the buildings and they can um, really test that out and and maybe have a you know part two of his uh, of a significant title run for him because I think he could be that that foil to an Orton to uh, to uh, uh, Reigns and some of the other top heels you know just for for years to come um, and so I, I just I really hope that that happens for him because I think he deserves it. Now through Patreon, you can get the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts with the ads and plugs removed and VIP after shows by supporting us on Patreon with a Tier 1 membership for just $4.99 per month. You can also upgrade to get additional bonus content, including all the VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletters through Patreon. Check out details at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Then join the New Japan Pride podcast starring Bethany Rubel and Javier Machado with an eye for the action and an eye for the story. We'll keep you abreast of all New Japan shows, both in Japan, covering World Tag League and Best of Super Juniors in November and also covering their American expansion with New Japan Strong and December Super J Cup Tournament. And I'll watch all the Yano matches so Bethany doesn't have to. And I'll watch all of the Ibushi matches. Wait a minute. I didn't script that. (laughs) Listen to our weekly podcast exclusively with the PW Torch VIP membership. Become a member at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. And with Wrestle Kingdom just around the corner, it's a perfect time to join. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chum. Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think one of the things that was interesting about the uh, contract signing segment is Reigns played into a lot of what you were talking about. Um, and it worked on two levels that overlapped completely. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of let's, let's cater to quote the internet with insider, mm-hmm. you know, code words and, and messages where you go, oh, I can't believe he said that. I just think, I think that never worked. And now not only doesn't it work, but it's not novel. It's passe. It's overdone, you know, and people stopped doing it. But Reigns did say, you know, I, when I, when I went away, you became the top guy. But you're the top guy only because I was away. My analogy to that mm-hmm. has been the Houston Rockets in the 90s after Michael Jordan left. You know, everybody looked at the Houston mm. Rockets and said, great team. I mean, like, definitely deserving a championship. But, of course, if the Bulls were still around, they'd lose to them. And <laughs> you're, you're hitting a sore spot. For I know. Me, I know. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, that, you know. That happens. That was yeah. advocate. Yeah. 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 That was the the perception was, you know, the Bulls would have just kept winning till Jordan retired. In fact, when he came back, they started winning again. So it sort of validated some of those things. So mm-hmm. we'll never know for sure. But with Reigns, that's kind of what he's playing into. Like, you're the guy. 
you're, quote, the guy because I'm not around. But as soon as I came back, I became the guy. And you will mm-hmm. always be a number two. And he almost, like, verbally patted Drew on the head and saying, you're going to be a good number two. You can go be Raw champion or WWE champion on Raw. I'm going to be the universal champion on SmackDown. And guess what? While those two titles are equal, I'm clearly the bigger deal. Look at my resume. Mm-hmm. But the fascinating thing is, as I wrote about in the Torch Newsletter cover story last week, they're both 35. They're within a week of each other's age. Drew's the guy who wanted to be a wrestler his whole life and had challenges and had to, you know, just basically established himself in the beginning, had some maturity issues, had to kind of hit the reset button and rebuild himself through Impact and NXT primarily. Well, Reigns mm-hmm. comes with the family background, all the connections you could want. And it's like he tried everything to click before he became a wrestler. You know, the you want to be NFL. And then he, we, Albright said the CFL wasn't glamorous enough for him. You know, it just wasn't glamorous <laughs> enough for him. Like, what a babyface thing to say. The hotels weren't nice enough. So that overrode my love of football. <laughs> and then he thought he'd build furniture with his family. But, and he decided to try that before wrestling. And he's like saying all this, like with no sense of how that's going to come off to wrestling fans who want their lead babyface to have the Drew McIntyre story, which is I eat, sleep, breathe, and love this. Roman can't even pretend to do that. And I sort of admire him because he's not a phony. Like, I don't think he's a phony. <laughs> I think he's very blunt about how he feels about things. But now, all of that works. All of that falls into place with his current character. He's the guy who has the it factor. He's the guy who has the lineage. And he's, in his mind, and he's speaking the truth, in Vince McMahon's mind, he's the obvious number one guy. And so, mm-hmm. what a great babyface dynamic. You know, Brett and Sean had... You know, their dynamic. You know, Sean was the wild guy and Brett was more, you know, the wrestling family and I respect the business and Sean disrespects the business and it, it it's so upsetting to Brett. Yeah, that. And then Austin and Rock were very different from each other and Hogan and all of his top rivals, very different from one another. Drew and Reigns, it's a perfect dichotomy if they are the generational opposites, you know, the, the generational rivals. And that segment really brought that all into focus. And so it does put Drew on this sort of long-term arc of, I came up short at Survivor Series because Drew cheated to win, and, or, or Roman cheated to beat Drew. And so now mm-hmm. Drew has reason to get revenge. And I, so I just think they've, they've set it up really nicely. And, and the big key, as you're saying, is get Drew back in front of a crowd. And let's mm-hmm. see how they react to everything. I think, and I, I talked to Tony Schiavone about this on Tuesday's show this week. Um, I think some storylines and some characters are better because of the lack of crowds either speeding things up or derailing them. Because sometimes a promoter has something in mind and the fans go, whoa, we're not buying into this. We're going to rebel against it. Or we're going to turn somebody too soon. Like Chris Jericho and MJF uh, are you know, a young heel and an old heel. They're, Jericho's more than double MJF's age, but they're compared to each other a lot. And mm. the act is MJF looks up to Jericho, but he's also a conniving con man who's trying to infiltrate Jericho's group. And you have Jericho, who's a beloved veteran, who's a heel, but fans really like him. And (laughs) if it was in front of a crowd, the fans would be cheering Jericho already, loudly. They already sing his song when he comes out. But because they don't have those crowds, AEW can actually tell the story a little slower. And so going back to Roman and Drew, they can tell the story of Roman and Drew in a way where there's no chance, like, they're, they're giving Reigns the breathing space to be a heel without potentially the crowd cheering him. I don't think that's going to be a mm. risk. But they get to tell the full story of the, of the relationship between those two 
and then drop it in front of a crowd as sort of, not a finished product, but at a stage where they've really firmly established why Drew should be cheered, why Reigns should be booed. And while I don't think there's a big risk fans would flip, because I think Reigns is a really effective heel, by the time they get in front of crowds, likely sometime in 2021, probably somewhere in mid-2021, I think they're going to have these two top stars. They each hold the respective belts. They'll be seen as equals, and fans will be rooting for Drew because Roman was so demeaning to him. I, I think it's really a great landing place for both of them. You know what's interesting? I'm glad you mentioned that way because that reminded me of another point that I thought about when I was watching that segment is that you know it was almost like they were in like a closed set where they were talking into like a just like a little lavalier microphone and it wasn't you know Reigns wasn't having to emote to this large audience. He was in more of a conversation that was being recorded. Mm-hmm. And I felt like yeah. that lended itself better to his ability to communicate. He doesn't have to react uh, to I, crowds heckling or booing or cheering. He can stay focused on his task. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's why it was so much better than what I'd seen, you know, when he get on the microphone and have this promo exchange with a, you know, a Seamus or somebody else that it was just so awkward and forced. And I think this, this actually is going to help him. I think to not have any fans in the stands for a while is because he can just sit there and talk and, and have this sort of conversation and be in control of himself uh, and not worry, like you said, worry about the fans yelling at him and throwing him off. And uh, and so that, that was a little bit jarring to me just watching it at first. Like, they're We're, kind of whispering to each other. <laughs> like, yes. They're not yelling to the crowd, you know. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. See, the, I, I can't remember what year it was. The when Roman Reigns got booed for ten minutes on Raw after WrestleMania. Was that after? Uh, was that the Dallas WrestleMania? I'm not sure, but did the, you do you remember covering that Raw? Gosh, there were so many. There were so many Raws uh, post WrestleMania Raws. We just or post Rumble Raws too, where he got booed out of the building. And yeah, but there was one where he like together. he walked to the ring and the fans just booed him. And then they booed him. And he just stood there and didn't say anything. And then they booed him. And, you know, and the, and Vince in the gorilla position, like, just stick with it. Let's go with it. And he just <laughs> st- t- stood there and took it for 10 minutes. And it was just just compelling television. And, you know, you wonder now if crowds were present, if they're going to, and I hope they would, play along and boo this guy. Because the reason you didn't like him is the same reason you should dislike him now. The only thing missing is he's not miscast. Uh, he is mm-hmm. properly cast, but he's still the same person you didn't like. So boo him. And I think they would. And I think with Drew, people like him. Because wrestling fans like wrestlers who are wrestling fans. And they can tell. So I think I think this storyline would be fine with crowds. But there's certain segments that have that room to breathe and be paced out without that. But it's possible that 
if Reigns is hitting their opposite of Drew, the crowd might have enhanced the segment greatly. I'm not an advocate for, like, not bringing fans back. But that that was one of those segments. Um, some crowds, maybe. But um, some cities. But that crowd, or that segment, was just fine without a crowd for the reasons that you said. Maybe it would have been better with a crowd, but it would have been different. And it was so good as it was that I'm just fine with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that he... I think Reigns is in a better environment when there's not a crowd. Yeah, I just, you know, hate to say that, but I just think he's better when he's just just sitting there just talking and yeah. just being a heel and being obnoxious. You know, kind of being, you know, at the head of the table. I thought that was a, a nice <laughs> touch where yes. they weren't sitting opposite each other. He, yep. like, literally just moved Pierce away and just said, I'm, gonna, I'm at the head of the table. I thought that was such a good visual enhancement of the story and, and nice positioning. Um, and then... Uh, you know, Drew didn't react, and I thought he held his own and, and said, you know, and they had their nice exchange, and I thought that went well. And it, you know what really took me a while to get used to, Wade, was the, the video board in the background. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I thought I yeah. was, I thought it was, you know, going to go colorblind with all the, you know, the people <laughs> with different backgrounds and so many fans and so many colors and little boxes. And, uh, you know, I, that, was, that was a trip to get used to. Uh, there, was, there was so much going on there. Uh, and I, in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, I wonder how often WWE looks at their fans and it just reinforces, you know, their their mindset about their audience. I, I thought that was such a thing back then and still probably is. It's just their view of their audience. Yeah. Um, and now they're able to watch their audience, you know, like watch <laughs> their audience, watch their show. It's embodied um, every time you watch Stephanie McMahon. She is the physical personification of how WWE management feels about their fan base. Thank you for making us rich. <laughs> You're wonderful people, but you are beneath us. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I had that thought. I'm like, I know exactly what they're thinking when they see this video board and their fans. Yeah. And it's no knock on the fans. The fans are awesome. It just, it's, it's, that, it's that elitist mentality of like, we are, you know, you are beneath us. But Ste- yes, thank you for making us rich. <laughs> Stephanie walks around, you know, carries herself in, 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 in her promos in front of fans the way that uh, – preschool teacher walks around looking at some absolutely terrible artwork that the kids are doing, the four-year-olds, four-year-olds and fives are doing, and walking around patting them on the head going, good job, good job, good job. Like just that patronizing, and I'm not trying to rip on four-year-old art. I'm just saying, you know, the job of, of any adult is to reinforce, you know, give positive reinforcement to kids who are being creative. Right. And that's how I see Stephanie. She's like, you know, I, I wouldn't, possibly welcome any of you into my home and i might let you wash my car but i'll let you pay pay tickets and uh and have your fun cheering and booing like wrestling fans do um and so yeah that the the video wall is sort of yeah it gives you i mean they get to see that in the in the live crowds too obviously with real life people but um there's something about seeing somebody you know sit in front of their laptop that maybe maybe is uh a little window into that world in a different way yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering about that too, and I was thinking about that. I was like, what's so different about it than you know just fans in the stands? It's almost like fans in the stands that all just sort of blend together. You know, there's just that one right. Yeah. Uh, you know, just that one view of everyone. But when you break everybody up into little boxes, you can and they're out of their element. You know, they're like you said, they're in front of their laptop, they're in the living room, they're in their bedroom, the bathroom, wherever. You know, it, it just everyone looks like an individual and not part of a larger group. And you're just sort of picking out people that stand out, and I'm sure they're doing that. And and it's just a window into their audience. But um, I just I just wonder if they'll if they'll 
like change the way they view their audience because they have a little bit more of a personal connect. I'm trying to find a positive on this, you know, just <laughs> now they can see like actual people and say, yeah, these are our real fans. We need to understand and listen to them and not just write them off as a group of, you know, internet fans or, or the, you know, the, uh, or the vocal minority group, you know, the hated reigns and, you know, just kind of seeing them more as people than a group of people that they just put in a one lump category. Nah. So that could be a positive from it. I, I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think that'll... <laughs> uh, nice try. I do... I th- I think, uh, you know, obviously they face challenges with this, and, and I'm sympathetic to, you know, just they don't have a lot of options and all that, and I'm 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 pro Thunderdome because there's not a... Vi- I, I challenge anyone to come up with a better viable option than, than enhancing mm-hmm. the noise so it's not dead quiet and echoey. And, and other or bringing people in and, and having super spreader events where everyone's giving each other COVID. Um, I mean, it's just they put right. a lot of money into it and it's not it's not ideal, but I think it's the best practical uh, solution. And, and and, you know, they've tweaked the production as they've gone a little bit. We're about to go to another commercial break. Why are you listening to commercial breaks? Why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member, support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details, 30-plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including... Ad-free versions of the Wade Keller podcast, Wade Keller post shows, and PW Torch daily casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day. Dozens of VIP exclusive podcasts that you're not hearing because you're not a VIP member. So go VIP, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Subscribe to our VIP podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts. Again, that's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Um, Drew McIntyre, as a top babyface, what what did you think watching Drew at the Rumble, and you know just the story arc of his career in general? Are you surprised that he's made it to this spot, and do you think he's playing the best Drew McIntyre role that he could play based on you know seeing so much of his work over the years and, and knowing this was his goal, and he certainly looked the part of somebody who would be a top guy for Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised in the sense that he had so many setbacks and so many roundabouts and so many almost never quite, not quite, never going to happen. Uh, you know, try this, try that, not the right timing, not the right fit. And then all of a sudden it just happened, you know? And so I'm surprised in the sense that I thought it would just never happen. Like it would never come together. There'd be another something that happened. But it, but now every all the stars aligned for him, and he had this amazing moment with the Rumble. Uh, and yes, I, I totally think that this is a McIntyre that was there all along. It's just for whatever reason, he whether he needed to mature or it needed to be the right timing um, or just physically develop. You know, now he looks like a superstar, and not that he did it before, but I think now you know it's just something about being in the mid thirties, as you mentioned. Um, he's matured into a superstar. Um, he's a man. That, you know, like, he he comes yeah. across as an alpha. And, you know, when, when he was in 3MB and he was proclaimed as a chosen one, it, it, it just, 
he was a different person. Like, I don't think today's Drew even recognizes who that Drew McIntyre was back then, <laughs> other than a guy with potential who had a lot of growing up to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he feels like a, he's, he feels like a leading man now. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. And yeah. I, I think that it just, you know, some wrestlers, it just takes a while to get to that point. You know, it's like you can be a certain, you know, not everybody's Jeff Hardy in their 20s that's got that, that charisma that, you know, you don't have to be that leading man kind of uh, person. You can just get by in charisma. Other guys, they've got to develop and become that guy. Um, it just takes time to physically mature and, and uh, you know, just have that presence. And I think Drew definitely has all of that now. And, and I think that the, the big thing that also I, I felt was holding him back back then was just being international, you know, not being from America, not being John Cena, not having the all-American look and, the you know, just all that. Um, yeah. And so I think now, you know, WWE is so global now. And, and they, you know, they always have been. But there wasn't that flavor of global talent like they've done now where there's just, you know, there's NXT UK and, you know, just all the international flavor that's, you know, present. And now that they've become a little bit more internationalized as far as the talent roster, it's a little bit more blended. Um, it feels like a natural fit. You know, he doesn't, the next major baby face doesn't have to be another Cena, an all American, you know, GI Joe. It can be a, uh, you know, a Drew McIntyre who has a little bit of an accent, uh, but still fits in as a main guy for WWE. And I think that's fine. Yeah, he, he has uh, so the he, timing is good. Yeah, he's got some edge to him. There's he still strays into and it might be a battle he fights weekly. Um you know, not seeming like the corporate the corporate spokesperson for, you know, WWE and and, and the Thunderdome and all that like, you know, his his job and I think one of the key aspects of a successful lead babyface is don't be too much of a company guy. You 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 happen to work for that company. But your job isn't to be the PR agency for, to make fans think the company is wonderful. Your job mm -hmm. is to seem like you are an admirable star athlete who happens to wrestle for this company and you're paying money to see him and you just happen to work for that company. WWE doesn't want to think that way because, you know, their people are enmeshed in that idea that, you know, it's they don't see themselves as wrestling promoters. They, they see themselves as a corporation that happens to make their money through selling pro wrestling. And mm -hmm. the wrestlers, a lead babyface especially, can't be sucked into that I, I think that can backfire i think it hurt john cena especially uh um, oh yeah and so drew you know he strays into that sometimes but i think people see him as a guy who no matter where he would no matter who he worked for he'd be the same guy wanting to the wanting to be the best wrestler on that brand with john cena i think he he gave off the vibe i'm so proud to be the face of the brand and you lose something as a with what wrestling at its essence is and what fans tune in to see in terms of a top star when that top baby face is proud to be the face of the brand instead of a badass who likes to kick ass and win titles, but does so in a way that makes you want to cheer him. And, and I think Drew's finding a, a, you know, gets a B plus for that so far. Yeah. I'll be curious to see how he develops, you know, over the next year or two. And um, hopefully again, in front of fans and, yeah. and to kind of get that reaction. But I, I think he's well on his way. And I mean, I, I think, you know, from what I can tell and just the way that he's matured, I can tell that he's in this for the long haul. And I think WWE is behind him for the yeah. long haul. Yeah. Uh, and so that's good to see. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Wade. I can see this Drew and Reigns dynamic lasting for a while um, as they go back and forth on different brands and, and uh, you know, just mix it up on pay-per-views. And, you know, I, I can see this being um, sort of a, a Cena Wharton. You know, yeah. we, we went through so many iterations of Cena Orton in the yeah. uh, 
you know, 2000s, 2010s, you know, this could be that, this could be that of the 2020s. Some people are like, no, <laughs> but you know, I, I know what you, I totally know what you mean. All right, let's uh, let's talk about AEW a little bit more. The names that are there, um, Cody, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, the executive vice presidents, who you know kind of formed the co- or not formed, but are the core of the company. And then they had two really big signings. With no disrespect to FTR and PAC and in that realm, the two big signings were Chris Jericho and uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. When when I tell you that as somebody who you know did kind of go cold turkey for a while now you're keeping up on it through the torch not watching a ton but when you see the aw commercial what do you think is making the biggest difference to them competing demographically in that 18 to 34 year old male audience they're right there with wwe raw um in terms of viewership raw has a lot more older viewers so they have much bigger total audiences but what what to you seems like the biggest What's what's the biggest part of that equation? Is it is it Cody and the leadership that he shows as sort of the the co-founder of sorts? Is it Kenny Omega bringing the New Japan credibility, or is it the legacy star status of Jericho, or the the, the momentum and contemporary star power of John, Dean Ambrose coming over at, from all those years with the Shield and getting to break off and be his own guy? And, you know, be a blend of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Terry Funk and, you know, pick your good old Dick Slater from the 80s and, you know, whatever. You can pluck a a variety of people uh, and merge them to to kind of blend into him. Who who do you see as, like, kind of the biggest get for AEW? And what's your reaction to the roster in general of their top guys? Yeah, you know, I kind of look at it as you got to be able to check, like, three or four boxes. You got to have the stars. They have the stars. You just rattled off, you know, who's who of, of big names. Um, from the past 10, 15 years. So you got to have stars. You got to have funding um, to, you know, to make yourself look big. Um, and you got to have a little bit of that cool factor. Um, and so I think so many promotions that have tried to get to this level have either not been able to check one of those three boxes or they failed at one of those three boxes. Um, and I think with AEW, it's, you know, when you're sitting around like a Jericho or an Ambrose, you know, Moxley or Cody Rhodes, you know, that's instant credibility. You throw in the cool factor of the young bucks from in Cody and uh, Kenny Omega from, you know, from that new Japan kind of that underground, um, you know, wrestling fans love that, that new Japan um, sense of wrestling. And that just, you just bring that to a, a national promotion in America that just, it just adds that cool factor. And then obviously having the funding, you know, they've got, they've got the money behind it. Uh, they're able to, to differentiate themselves and not like in a small way. I feel like your Ring of Honor um, was able to differentiate itself, but it, it's never been able to reach that, that next level of a nationally recognized brand. Um, it's always been sort of that pocket uh, of, you know, Philadelphia, Chicago, New York um, kind of brand that has that following, but hasn't had that national presence. Um, even though I know they're syndicated all over, but they just just don't have that national recognition. Whereas I think AEW has very quickly built that and continued it and maintained it and been able to deliver great content and great wrestling. Uh, I guess that's the fourth box. You got to have good wrestling. <laughs> you got to have a you know a good product, good shows, good storylines, good matches. 
good talent. So that's obviously a big factor. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I just think that when I saw that commercial and it was, you know, I saw the SmackDown commercial, very corporate, very, you know, safe and cleansed and Michael Cole and, you know, the, the corporate enthusiasm that Cole just is, oozes. Uh, I just, Michael Cole, um, <laughs> it, it's just so corporate. It's so WWE. Uh, but then, you know, AEW had this, like, outside-the-box commercial, you know, and, you know, Cole Cabana uh, talking about, you know, this is by wrestlers for wrestlers. There was a, a scene where there was, a you know, a car being smashed in a parking lot. Um, you know, there was a little bit of, uh, of you know, two or three seconds of in-ring action. But I, I got the sense it was more about uh, being cutting-edge, being different, uh, being something you want to be part of something that you can like talk to your friends about and say, Hey, have you seen this show? This is like a really cool wrestling show. Um, they're doing cool stuff. They've got cool characters. They have cool stuff. They have cool matches. They, you know, they have, um, you know, a couple guys that you probably remember from WWE. Uh, you know what I mean? So it just has that, it has all these things coming together at the right time to be the real alternative to corporate WWE. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm really interested to see how this progresses, and uh, especially as we get kind of get past COVID and get into 2021, and um, if they're able to re-ramp up again and regain some of the momentum, um, just from having fans back in the stands and, and a full a full audience, uh, I think that you know, you know, financially WWE, yeah, but they're just so gigantic, and so it's not really that's not really the game. I don't think the game is a you know, make a billion dollars a year like WWE. Is, what, what what is their latest annual revenue weight? Is it are they up to a billion yet? Where, where are we at with with they, their financials? They were uh, uh, border borderline this last time. Let me bring up the uh, the exact number because it just it just came out. Yeah, so revenue this last quarter, third quarter, twenty twenty, was two hundred twenty one million. So wow. um, mm-hmm. you know that's not quite. Um, uh, on pace for a billion, if you you know project that out, but obviously they have you know some changes in revenue with without uh, live events <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and other things going on. But I mean, they're they're you know that that new TV deal is crazy helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> during a time yeah, like I'm this. Sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, I don't think AEW is you know the the game isn't to get to a billion dollar revenue company. I mean, that's just not the game. But I think there's a way to make money for themselves and for the talent and to become, I, this is what I always think is another common, a common, a, a, a thing that another, uh, let me put it this way. Another thing to check the box is do WWE wrestlers see the other promotion as a parallel or even an upward move? You know, I, I feel like, you know, no other promotion that's been able to compete with WWE since WCW has seemed like a parallel or upward trajectory move you know, like for, for talent. Um, it's more of a, oh, yeah, I got fired. I need somewhere to go. Or, yeah, you know, I'm kind of burnt out on WWE. Let me go to, you know, TNA or ROH for a couple, you know, a year or two. I think AEW, if they can become the promotion where um, talent is going back and forth, kind of like the Monday Night Wars with, with WWE and w, or WWF and WCW, that's another one of those milestone benchmarks where they're a big time player and they're viewed as such, not just by fans and you know their TV partners, but by the actual talent. I do think that's uh, the next big thing for AEW is 
when that moment comes that you're talking about, because it's not just the value of whoever jumps, um, you know, whoever leaves WWE and goes to AEW, that will bring value and novelty. But it also just affirms something that Impact Wrestling, TNA, just didn't quite get, even in signing and bringing in Christian and um, Kurt Angle. It, it wasn't, it just wasn't enough. And then by the time, you know, they brought in Hogan and RVD and Jeff Hardy and and had that big splash on Monday night, there were other problems with them, and there were there problems with that talent too, because it was too reminiscent of the dying days of WCW in certain ways, mm-hmm. and a lot of the politics came with it. AW, what they've done this this last year plus is establish their brand, and it's firmly established who they are, and it's it's holding their numbers well. They're they're holding their numbers. They're not growing, but they're holding their numbers really well. That next next growth period is when they get validated as a place that can do what you just described, which is we are so for real and so permanent and so major league. And we can pretty much sign, and when someone's contract comes up, it's kind of our choice if we want to make an offer to lure them over. And it's there's almost nobody off limits in terms of who we could afford. And wrestlers in WWE want to go work for AEW. Now, there's a little bit less of an advantage than there used to be because WWE is cutting back on house shows. Who knows, post-COVID, where that lands. Mm. And one of the mm. advantages of AEW, like with Nitro, you know, when it came to Raw, or really WCW compared to WWF at the time, is wrestlers like WCW because they not only had guaranteed contracts, but they only had to work one day a week. And in the WWF, you had to go earn it every weekend and be on the road, you know, 17 out of 20 days or whatever, you know, 15 out of 20 days, whatever it would work out to for the different guys. So with AEW, it, it, they might lose a little of that advantage, but just the work environment and how, how much people enjoy working there combined with not having to put up with a lot of things that a lot of wrestlers feel they have to, quote, put up with in WWE, that is going to be a validating moment. And, you know, I don't even know what name it would be and WWE is going to be pretty you know going to want to keep their guys that they think have value Mm -hmm. but when a top tier guy does jump if it doesn't feel like Christian but it's more like Kurt Angle um, no offense Christian because he had a nice run in impact and it was a good move for him and all that but it it wasn't a big impact that that's where I think what you're talking about kind of brings AEW to that next level and maybe brings in even more viewers who go wow this is Mm -hmm. this is a this isn't cast-offs it's not in, in the, you know, Chris Jericho in the final days and a disgruntled Moxley and some rebels who didn't fit into the corporate culture like Cody and the Bucks and Kenny. There's something more going on here. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. I I remember reading in in the newsletter about Brock Lesnar and whether... Uh, he, yeah. you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if he was actually in play or if it was some sort of negotiating ploy. So I, I'm not sure where that landed, but if, if there's a Brock Lesnar or, you know, I mean, oh my gosh, if AJ Styles ever went to AEW, I think that's a, um, a guy that has track record and charisma and he has WWE success. Uh, and, you know, I'm just trying to think of an example of what would be that, you know, I think of, uh, you know, those big moments in the Monday Night Wars when someone jumped, I mean, obviously Hulk Hogan going from WWF to WCW in 94, 
you know, that was obviously that was a huge deal. But I'm thinking more Monday Night Wars. You know, it's kind of like it would be like if Undertaker, if he ever had gone to WCW, that would have been a huge moment. Um, I mean, there's so there were so many back and forth. And, you know, obviously Outsiders and Ash and Hall, but I'm not even know. sure that WWE has like as much as that will be a big moment, and it's going to happen in some form or fashion. And I have, don't have any idea who it's going to be, but yeah. it doesn't have to happen either. I mean, when you look at the roster, yeah, I mean AJ is good, but you know he's in the twilight of his you know prime as an in-ring worker. He's got some sure. legacy star appeal, but you know who's that going to be? Is it going to be? If Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch showed up together on TV sometime mm. in 2021, that'd be a big moment. Um, if Sami Zayn showed up, I mean, it'd be good, but he's been marginalized a bit. You know, Matt Riddle has been marginalized a bit by WWE, so, you know, but it would be a statement. But when you look at the roster, there's not like a ton of people, and it's an indictment of WWE to a degree, that AW <laughs> would even think they would want to overpay for or pay, or pay market mm-hmm. value for because they've got a roster, I think, that they're. That they're pretty happy with, and they're pretty good. They're pretty happy with their scouting. So, and you know, and some of the guys I just don't think fit as well with them as they do with WWE. Like I think Drew's a perfect fit for WWE. I don't know that he's a great fit for AEW. I mean, I'd take him if I'm AEW, but I don't think like, oh wow, they'd use him better. You know, I mean, but that's a rare. That's an exception, um, not the rule when it comes to the talent. So. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is AEW is going to be fine even if that never happens. If all they do is stick with who they have. And scout well and build their own stars. Speaking of which, James, MJF, mm-hmm. you got to the <laughs> the the steak dinner with MJF and Jericho. MJF, uh, up and coming, brash heel in his early twenties, um, student of the business, loves, loves, loves. You know what he's doing. Plays the heel act twenty four seven anytime he's in public. Um, you know, doesn't break kayfabe on social media or at autograph sessions or behind the scenes. And, you know, Jericho is a, is a bit of a template for him. I think Eddie, Eddie Gobert's another template for him. Um, you know, vintage Eddie in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. But what do, you, what, do you th- what do you think of what you've seen of MJF as one of those kind of home, homemade or homegrown stars where he didn't have to go through WWE to be validated as a big deal? And then what do you think of that dance routine, the steak dinner that turned into the ballroom dancing <laughs> musical type thing? Yeah, I, I first I want to know, Wade, is where did he come from? Because I, I had never, I mean, I, I've seen his name, obviously, in the TV reports, the newsletter, and he's, you know, the way you described him in, in the recaps, he seems like a big deal. He always pops out as being part of bigger deals. So wh- where did he come from? Like, I, I have never seen him before until I watched that clip, but what, what's his background? What's his backstory? Yeah, he's, he's 24 years old. He, he worked some in combat zone wrestling and in major league wrestling. Um, and okay. then I, I first saw him, uh, the same weekend I went to the all out event in, or all in event in Chicago. So it was that 2018, um, August 20 or Labor Day weekend, 2018. And I saw him at an indie show in Chicago and it just jumped out to me like, Oh, and I think he worked Marco stunt. So he just did a whole verbal spiel about, about poor Marco and they had a match. And I was like, okay, this guy can talk. This guy owns the room. He doesn't lack confidence. And he was just a, a gimme for AEW to sign. Um, mm. and you know, he's, he's just 24 years old. So he's, you know, only a few years into, uh, you know, but I don't know. I think he's, I think he started yeah. at 19 or 20. So he's got pretty good experience, but a lot left to go. Okay. Yeah. You know, he reminds me of a cross between Colt Cabana and, and uh, EC3 and yeah. kind of has the, the Cabana build and the EC3 personality. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, I mean, 
I think that that is like Jericho's perfect foil. They just, you know, Jericho, I think Jericho wants to be a little goofy, a little bit of show business, a little bit uh, of just doing something silly, but still, you know, uh, you know, getting the point across about what they're trying to accomplish. And I think that AEW is a platform to do it. It seems like, I, I think if they would have done that in WWE, I think it would have been heavily criticized as, you know, lame and cheesy and, and, you know, just like, uh, another WWE skit. Um, but I think in AEW, it, you know, it goes back to, you know, what have you built and have you built enough credibility with your platform to where you can kind of do a silly skit like that and, and, you know, have a little bit of inside, you know, a little inside baseball mixed in there and, and not get the eye rolling. Um, you know, I was kind of looking at some of the, the comments on the clip you shared with me, Wade, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a mixed, mixed bag of people saying this is stupid and other people saying this is awesome. And it was very, uh, we were at a Twitter poll. It was very polarizing. What, what's, what's the, what's the percentage? I, I'm curious. Uh, it was, it was split. Um, I can't, I can't, that, I can't yeah, remember the exact, yeah. I, I'd, I'd have to dig through to see the polls, but, um, I don't remember the exact ending, but it was like, you know, 30% hated it, 30% loved it. And then there was a middle 40% who were sort of, you know, you know, it was okay. Or it's not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> I go back to if I was like in the middle of like this was 2015 and I'm I'm covering wrestling full time every day and I see something like that I you know it's just something about that of that mentality at the time when you're when you're so invested in it and and you really care about it and not that I don't care about it now but just when it was every day you care about it I probably would have poo pooed on it I think. Uh, but now being a, a, an outside casual observer and, you know, just sort of, you know, picking up things here and there about what's going on in wrestling, you know, with no, no real investment in whether the storyline pays off or, you know, I'm not analyzing whether this is going to lead to a, you know, a giant pop in the TV rating next week. You know, I'm just watching it. I'm like, yeah. you know, it was clever. And it got the MJF character across to me i understand him a lot better than before i watched the clip uh it was a chance for jericho to you know be jericho and be a little goofy and and do something silly and i think because it wasn't wwe then i think it was okay you know (laughs) in 2012 nxt transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT 8 Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. One of the things that I found, James, too, this year is because of COVID and the lack of crowds, I've really loosened up on what I thought the narrative, you know, I, I, I believe in adhering to a pretty strict narrative structure. I think there should be, right. you know, sort of, you know, rules of engagement for how you present wrestling and you follow them. And I think that that discipline limits you, but it creates a discipline that forces you to do the most prudent moves rather than wouldn't it be cool if which so mm-hmm. often is entertaining and dazzling and buzz generating and maybe gets you trending on Twitter, but does it help the characters and does it build to a match and does it you know sell proverbial tickets? And I've loosened up on that because it's, it's more of a TV industry than a ticket-selling industry now. And with COVID, they don't have that live crowd. So 
you got to be really creative. You know, that's where these kind of cinematic pre-taped post-produced matches have gone with the graveyard match with Undertaker and AJ Styles, which, you know, mm-hmm. it would just been unimaginable in most eras <laughs> of wrestling to have something mm-hmm. so clearly post-produced and staged and edited. And yet, I think even wrestling fans are like, but it's that or the empty performance center. And that's not going to work. So let's embrace the new reality and make the best of it. And then we'll just kind of regroup when, uh, <laughs> when when crowds are back and go, okay, how do we feel about still doing that versus not doing that? And in a way, they might be getting it out of their system. I don't know if Jericho and MJF would do that skit if they had a live audience. They might be like, well, anything we do, we want that that energy from the crowd. But without that, everybody's getting creative. And that means some mistakes are going to made and are going to be made and some things are going to go too far. But, you know, Impact Wrestling's been doing this. They're still around, James. Um doing their thing i saw they, they changed their name they, they, they finally. finally dropped tna and went to impact wrestling yes and they've been doing a lot because you know they are just sort of you know in a tough spot in the marketplace and they they uh they do a lot you know a, a good number of kind of post-produced stuff like mjf and jericho where it's inserted into the show and wrestling just is changing you know and you can resist or you can make your case why you think some some things shouldn't be done and there's better routes but you know once it takes that takes on that direction and it sort of survives and has its built-in audience, then you kind of have to recalibrate and go, okay, you know, this isn't what I think anyone would have thought of doing in 1985 or 1995 or really 2005, but there were elements of it. You know, Undertaker has had elements of Supernatural and, you know, the camera and the Buried Alive set, which was just, you know, decried at the time as super stupid. And you had the mm-hmm. the mini movies that WCW put out under the Ole Anderson and Sharon Sadello era with, you know, Davy Boy Smith running on the beach with little little people chugging along and people <laughs> leap. I can't remember what was going on. It feels like a fever dream. Stuff like that's been interspersed in, you know, um, Papa Shango and the voodoo. Uh, mm-hmm. It's always been there, but there's been more of a, uh, leaning in on that now simply because the other option is run a wrestling show in front of no no fans and or a wrestling match in front of no fans or have a promo where someone's talking to a camera so i am curious where this all shakes out but that that will be one of the things along with probably the um the boneyard match with aj and, and undertaker that kind of people cite as okay are we going to still do this or not once crowds come back yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see maybe one promotion goes all the way back to how it was, another promotion leans in more toward the opposite direction, and then then it would have a real case study and be able yeah. to compare and 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 see if it's apples to apples as far as which promotions do it. Um, you know, if WWE went one way and AEW went back the other way, you know, who ends up uh, drawing more fans in and, and, and expanding their audience and, and making more money off of it? Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's so many directions they can go now. And, and I mean, I, I'm with you, Wade. I was very much like, no, this is the way that it's structured. You need to, you know, adhere to the, you know, the, the written and unwritten rules of how to present wrestling, uh, on TV and not break the fourth wall. And, you know, how did the cameraman get there in the boneyard and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, who's filming this, who's directing this, uh, that kind of exposes that fourth wall, but. Um, I, I think that now is the time. It, it is sort of like a playground in a sandbox. Yeah, They've got a yeah. sandbox. They can kind of play with some stuff. And there's not a live audience that's going to crap on it. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of doing your, your testing, you know, by, you know, the TV audience. But um, there's not a live crowd to get that reaction. So you kind of play with some stuff and figure out what works. And then maybe put some of those tools, you know, put them away. You know, this didn't work. Uh, you know, I was reading Greg Park's column on in a – maybe this past newsletter, the week, the one before about, 
uh, what was it, the Raw Underground, and how that <laughs> just sort of fell apart yeah. after a couple months. And I'm like, well, no surprise there. They can put that that tool back in the toolbox and, and not pull it back out again. But I think there's some other stuff they can you know play with and incorporate in future stuff. And maybe 2021, there's some things they can you know incorporate that that worked and, and build on that, and also try to get back to more of a live wrestling environment and and use those crowd reactions as a better gauge. But you know, I think you know. <laughs> I mean, like you said, I mean the. The alternative is to have a boring, bland, empty arena show every week. And, and you know, no one wants that. So uh, I think now if there ever was a time to experiment, it, it's this season for sure. Yeah, that's, that's how I feel. This is like their freshman year of college. Just figure out who you are. You don't, you don't have the constraints yeah. of living at home anymore. You're with friends. They don't know who you were before this. Um, you've got independence. Like it's just, I mean, in a weird way, it's like wrestling is like, all right, all those rules that we had to follow before, they might have been good, they might not have been, but we're breaking them all, and we're gonna see what happens, and and we'll you know <laughs> circle back at the end of COVID. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, who knew? We didn't know where things were headed, and obviously, you know, there was panic and concern and fear for a lot of different reasons, and creatively, um, you know, there's been some highs and some lows uh, during during this journey. Absolutely, yeah. Isn't it? Weird? I, I, I enjoy cover, I enjoy uh, following along in the torch. Yeah, yeah. Find out what's new every week. I'm breaking in here to let you know that we have a VIP flash sale going on this week. You get a full month of VIP membership for two dollars and twenty cents, or you can apply that discount of one month, which is seven dollars and seventy nine cents, to a three month or one year sub. Also, so it'll knock seven dollars seventy nine cents off a one month, three month, or one year sub. But a one-month sub drops down to just $2.20. That'll take you pretty much through the end of the year for all of our VIP coverage. Maybe help you through the holidays. Gives you access to over 1,600 back issues, ad-free and plug-free versions of these shows. Tons of VIP exclusives. A weekly Processing Torch newsletter with exclusive articles by me and other staff members. Check out what you're missing. Go VIP for $2.20. Go to pwtorch.com slash govip. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. That page will tell you all about VIP membership, all about the features. And then on our sign-up form, you can use a credit card, a debit card, or PayPal. Three different ways to pay. When you sign up, enter coupon code 2020FLASH. That's 2020FLASH to get that discount to bring a one-month sub down to $2.20. That's pwtorch.com slash govip, coupon code 2020FLASH. This sale will not last long, so act fast. Take advantage of it and enjoy all the VIP benefits for a full month for just $2.20. Give us a try or come on back. He is I and I am him and I'm Matt Taven, the real Ring of Honor world champion. And you know how I show everyone that I get it? By tuning in to the podcast of Honor with Tyler and my personal main man, Ryan. This is Ryan. And I'm Tyler. And we are the hosts of the wildly popular PW Torch VIP show, Podcast of Honor. Our show covers everything Ring of Honor wrestling, from analysis, show recaps, and wide-ranging interviews with the stars of Ring of Honor. Download the Podcast of Honor each week and support the best podcast on the PW Torch VIP network. And no, you know, no John Cena. Like, that's just weird. You know, he's just not, well, <laughs> not around. What's so, what's so funny is, wait, is I see more, I probably see more Cena than anybody else because I see him in commercials all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm just yeah. watching random, you know, watching a football game on a Saturday afternoon and there's a commercial for him and 
you know, I, I can't remember what he's doing. He's promoting, I don't know if it's Experian or like one of those, you know, credit score uh, services. But I, I mean, he's got the hefty deal. I mean, you know, I, I'm just, I'm like, my gosh, he's still around. But now he's in commercials, his hair has grown out, and he's riding mechanical bull. And I guess this was the end game all along was to, <laughs> was to do commercials and movies for Cena. I don't well, know. Well, he but, said forever, I'm WWE for life. I'm not going to be like Rock. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you're not, you say you don't want to, you're not going to be like Rock because you don't think you're going to have the opportunities that Rock had. But when you turn mm-hmm. down the opportunities that Rock had, then you score points for calling out Rock for leaving wrestling. And and I know, mm-hmm. you know, he's sort of amended that and, and said, well, you know, this, that, and the other thing to differentiate it. And there are some differences. Um, but nevertheless, it, it came across when Cena said that as marketing, almost like, hey, Rock, you know, I'm just doing this to market myself. No offense. And <laughs> Rock might with a straight might look at him and go, oh, yeah, no problem. But deep down, Rock's like, you know, F you, you know, I mean, you know, why don't don't bury me to get yourself over and then try to, you know, wink at me and tell me, well, you get why I'm doing it. But it was hypocritical to John when he did it, because the first chance he had to do movies and leave WWE, he did. Now, God. now, mm-hmm. in defense of John, he put in his time. He put, I mean, he put in way more years before Rock, but mm-hmm. he didn't turn down movie deals for seven years while putting in his time. He left, it just happened to get these other offers and this other opportunity when his, you know, when he had put in the years and, and maybe the wear and tear was was getting to him. So I kind of see it, it it's, it's, it's nuanced, it's complicated, um, but he did sort of, the you know, if you tell the young John Cena, cutting promos on the rock hey guess what you're doing in 2020 he'd be like oh oh how do people how do people feel about me saying these things now (laughs) given that i ended up doing kind of what the rock did but at a smaller scale i mean john Cena would love to be hosting the today show probably right now you know if he could um so surprised he's not yet he was always he was doing the the third hour for a while yeah i remember four years ago i'm surprised he's not then you know the next michael strahan who's kind of migrates from sports or, you know, entertainment to, you know, a host of a major, you know, morning TV show. I'm surprised he's not there yet. Maybe that's next year. Yeah, I'm curious where he, I'm curious where he is in a couple years. You know, it doesn't seem like, I don't really know where he fits in as a celebrity. Um, You know, I don't think he's, (laughs) I mean, you know, I I don't, I think there's better action stars who are younger and, and, Uh you know, better actors, but, you know, but, and I think there's, you know, him doing kind of, you know, cornball, comedy stuff with his you know giant facial expressions and stuff you know he's that seems to be probably what works but he's kind of aging out of the you know 40-ish you know hunk women swoon stage too mm-hmm. a little bit into like you know we'd have to play probably some more mature roles so i don't yeah i don't know i mean i don't i don't think a lot about it i mean he put his he put his time in and he had a you know a, a uh an enriching career um and was a defining top star of of his of his era, you know, with some mixed results. But I still think one of the big things that Cena gave to the businesses is, is uh, a, a, the stability of almost kind of a goody two-shoes type, clean-cut persona coming out of the, the Benoit situation and the drug deaths mm-hmm. and the scandals. And Cena gave WWE that corporate-friendly, raw, raw, this-is-who-we-are face. And say what you will about turning away wrestling fans, and certainly Raw lost, you know, WWE lost a lot of fans compared to where they were when Cena started. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the overriding the overriding consideration for him. But 
when you look at WWE's numbers, I mean, $960 million in 2019 was their revenue, just short of a billion. You know they worked very hard to get that last $40 million. <laughs> um, they wanted to be able to say it. But yeah. Cena was there for the, for that rise in sort of legitimizing and cleansing their image and seeming corporate-friendly and advertiser-friendly. And I think that is probably the number – like the biggest thing he did is give WWE something that I just don't think Randy Orton could have. Or whoever, you know, whoever the competing Batista, people. Edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. I, he was kind of the bridge. The bridge away from the Monday Night Wars to, you know, this next era, which, you know, obviously it's, it's the Roman Reigns era, but, you know, they're trying to build a, a younger audience. And obviously COVID has sort of interrupted things. And, and who knows where things land later on this decade. But, uh, I, yeah, his legacy probably is the, the, the bridge star to get them back to their family entertainment roots. And, you know, looking at that video board, you know, during the McIntyre and Reigns contract signing, I saw a lot of younger fans in that video board. Now, I don't know if that was by design and they just, yeah. you know, someone back there is manipulating the boxes and let's get the old people away and put the young kids and, you know, here and there in the background of this shot and, uh, what's camera two? What's the background? That you know, I don't know if someone's manipulating the boxes, but there were definitely a lot of younger fans in that in that you know sea of boxes of fans, and uh, and so I, I I definitely think they're trying to get back to that um, you know you know just more of a family oriented, um, trying to make it cool for the you know the tweens and the the teenagers and you know before they get too old and you know move on to AEW. Um, but you know, I think Cena. I think you're right, Wade. I think that Cena was that bridge. And if we look at his entire run from that, you know, three thousand foot view, I think that he was the bridge to get them back to um, the way that I think McMahon wants to run the company, which is you know, eight to eighty and family oriented. And he, he wanted to, he not, wanted he wanted his new Hulk Hogan. You know, the guy that yeah. fit his vision. Vince, you know, he made a lot of money and embraced Stone Cold Steve Austin and and The Rock in the Attitude Era, but his proclivities point towards Hulk Hogan and John Cena, the all-American hero. It's, it's you know, it's what the WWWF was with Bruno Sammartino and Bob Backlund. He wanted to modernize it and, you know, make it more contemporary than, than Bob Backlund. But the the idea of having a central lead babyface is, is, is in the roots of his family's company. And, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and um, Stone Cold and The Rock, for different reasons, weren't quite ideal and i think john cena fit the ideal guy and like i said the timing of WWE being just this damaged company with a bad reputation and it was seen as tawdry and corrupt and cena just absolutely full force re- helped he was the face of their effort to rebrand what their corporation was and there's a whole generation of people who don't don't even know or aren't even aware of the the steroid scandal and sex scandals of the early 90s and and the drug death scandals um, or for that matter, the the you know R-rated content scandals with the parents' television console and stuff during the Attitude Era. That's all behind him, and now WWE's just Americana, and I think that is Vince's dream: a billion dollar year, a major TV deal, Fox Broadcast Network, and being accepted in the corporate culture was you know I think the end game for Vince McMahon, other than perhaps eventually selling and cashing out mm-hmm. big and getting out and just looking at that bucket of cash. And going, I'm done with it, but look what I made. And, you know, that that's the story that's yet to be written is it, it does. Do they end up getting bought by 
uh, a major you know major uh, conglomerate and that's you know or does vince hand retire or 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 what happens if he dies and then who takes over and what happens from there i mean that is that is the next story around the corner um is you know what is the next phase of wwe with or without vince Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Did you know that through Patreon, you can get this show with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 a month and enjoy our podcasts on whatever podcast app you're using or directly through the Patreon app. Check out full details at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. Wipe away the ads to the Wade Keller podcast, post shows, and PW Torch daily casts. That's 14 pro wrestling podcasts per week with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 per month. Support us and enjoy a streamlined listening experience. Aloha, Torch faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe, or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers! I think that Vince wants to get to that billion, you know, and and hit a billion annual revenue and then think about selling. (laughs) You know, I I think that, uh, you know, uh, man, yeah, I I think that if we look at it as Cena as the bridge to get to that, to that end game, if that end game is to sell, I think, yeah, they had to get back to being more uh, acceptable corporately in the, in the corporate environment. And then, yeah, I mean, you think about the potential buyers, you know, I mean, you can line them up of, you know, Disney, Fox, Am- you know, or the Fox is a parent company, but Amazon even, or, you know, just uh, any other entertainment property out there that has a lot of money and a lot of money to burn. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, you know, at this stage. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a year or two from now, and, you know, I- I've seen in the torch, you know, there's been some some speculation here and there and, you know, the family won't comment and all that, but uh, I'm sure behind the scenes there's conversations and it's just a matter of if there's a, a buyer, the price is right, the timing's right. And McMahon is wanting to give up some control. <laughs> and those are, those are a, lot, a lot of boxes to check. So we'll see if they ever get checked during his I, lifetime. I, yeah. I mean, I think Vince lives, you know, he looks at the big picture, but he also just lives day to day for the rush of creating new stars and new matches and, 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 you know, being a wrestling promoter. And I don't know that as much as that, that cashing out, if, if he cashed out, but he still had, you know, a role, would he want that? Or if he cashed out, does he just want to get out? And, you know, the XFL didn't work out. So, you know, he doesn't have that to fall back on. Yeah. I mean, Vince McMahon is the large story arc in this industry for as long as I've been covering wrestling that, you know, hasn't, hasn't, has still, you know, some more chapters to tell. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens and, um, I'm sure you'll be paying attention to that too. Absolutely, I I get the torch every week, and I you know I always look forward to reading what's what's going on, and then if something piques my interest, I'll go you know read a you know a little bit more on the pwtorch.com website or or uh, you know watch a, a clip uh, on YouTube or something. But uh, yeah, that's how I stay in touch and, yeah. and and stay connected to what's going on. So 
I mean, wait, 30, 33 years of the torch. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, it's, uh, it is quite an accomplishment. So I'm glad that I was able to, to play a small, small part of the timeline, um, and, uh, just build a, a long lasting relationship, um, over wrestling. Well, thank you, James. It's, it's been great touching base with you. Is there anything else you want to bring up? Uh, I've been kind of leading the topics, but before we wrap, or did we kind of hit what you wanted to, uh, or what we talked about talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I think we hit the, the big stuff. And, yeah. and uh, it was fun to share my, my Rumble story from being that yes. person. And, yes. And uh, so that, that was, uh, I, I've been to two of the biggest sporting events of the year as far as uh, uh, crowd size goes. You know, I was at the Rumble, which had, you know, 40, 45,000 fans, which, you know, now it's like 45,000 people in a stadium. Oh, my gosh. You know, it seems like, you know, that was ages ago. And, and also on January 1st, I drove up to Dallas with my brother and my dad, we went to the cotton bowl for the, uh, oh, fun. uh fro- the frozen, what are, what are they, what are they called out the frozen? Um, you know, if it's college, years? you know, if it's college football, James, I cannot help you. Well, this was hockey. This was the NHL. Oh, I thought you were talking uh, about, Oh, Oh, sorry. Yeah. This was the, the, you know, the, the January 1st NHL game. They, they actually put it at the cotton bowl in Dallas and had it was the Dallas stars, you know, your old, your former team yep. back in the day yep. against Nashville. And they, you know, they put a hockey rink in the middle of the cotton ball. Oh, and cool. and uh, I think there were like 70, 80,000 fans there. I mean, it was, it was yeah. packed. And yeah. So I, I've been to two of the biggest sporting events of the wow. year just by based on <laughs> sheer crowd size. And there's been nothing since March. Yeah. As you will say, then you pretty much slam the door shut on anything, even competing with it. <laughs> so that, that's my, uh, yeah, that's my, my claim to fame for the year. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, uh, James, it's been great catching up with you. Uh, a little bit off air and a lot here on air. Um, glad you took time to do this. And I'm sure people who heard your voice for years and years on, on our uh, Torch podcasts uh, who wondered whatever happened to you will be uh, happy to happy to catch up and, and see that you're doing well and in a good place. And we got to uh, talk some wrestling, too. And that was that that's nostalgic and fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And if anybody wants to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn.com. Slash, I think it's what I N and then J C writes. So that was my handle. Uh, J C writes on LinkedIn. Uh, spell writes. So W R I T E S. Gotcha. Yep. Because I write. Yes, yes, I get it. Yeah. Just want to be sure. You know, I could be R I T S R I G H T S. Exactly. Yeah. Like over audio, you just don't know. Yeah. You know? Yep. Cool. Uh, James, we'll, uh, we'll touch base who knows when, hopefully soon. Uh, take care and happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Thank you, Wade. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners, too. Uh, absolutely. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. 
He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information pwtorchdailycast.com We're now on Patreon. That's right, you can support us and get benefits at patreon.com/pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com/pwtorchvip. We have three tiers, $4.99, $6.99, and $9.99. The first tier gives you all the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcasts and post shows and the PW Torch daily casts with the ads and plugs removed. That membership tier also includes the VIP after shows that on occasion we put on extended versions for VIP members at the end of the Wade Keller shows and daily casts. And it's compatible with the Apple Podcast app and any other third-party podcast app out there, or you can stream the shows directly from your Patreon app or the Patreon website. Or you can upgrade to Tier 2 for two extra dollars a month and add the Wade Keller Hotline to the mix, a daily podcast just for VIP members who support us. Or you can upgrade to Tier 3 and get all the Wade Keller podcasts and post shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and the VIP after shows and the Wade Keller Hotlines, plus all the other VIP exclusive podcasts and a PDF and all text version of the weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter and a 20 years ago Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter every week. Full details on how to support us and get so much in return with three different tiered options at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. You can still support us directly on our website and get the full VIP benefits for $9.99 a month by going to PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. That has not changed. This is just an additional option for those of you who are familiar with and like supporting creators, on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. Some of Pro Wrestling's best podcasts are VIP exclusive, and you can go VIP and find out why we have been supported by paid subscribers for over 30 years with our exclusive top shelf content, including Pro Wrestling Torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell with the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. I usually host that program, although he has a variety of guest hosts with different themes and unmatched historical insight, but primarily providing insight and hard-hitting analysis and a opinion on what today's news means. Also, The Fix with Todd Martin. Every midweek, Todd and I sit down for two and a half, three and a half hours with analysis of the latest TV shows and major events from WWE, AEW, New Japan, and many others. Plus, he'll keep you up to date on what just happened in the world of MMA, USC, Bellator, and more, and what's coming up the following weekend. Plus, book reviews, reviews of documentaries, and so much more comprehensive coverage of the worldwide pro wrestling scene. And then the unmatched mailbag segment. This is one of the highlights of the week in the pro wrestling podcast world. I know I sound like I'm exaggerating, but this is great stuff. The fixed listeners provide fantastic questions, and Todd delivers every week. You will learn, you will think, and you will appreciate professional wrestling on another level when you go VIP. And that includes Bruce and Todd joining me for post-pay-per-view roundtables following WWE and AEW pay-per-view events. 
where we spend roughly an hour, sometimes longer, breaking down the pay-per-view. As soon as it ends, we are recording that podcast, and within about 90 minutes, it's available for VIP members on our VIP-exclusive podcast feed. All the VIP shows are available on popular podcast apps on both iPhone and Android. No ads, no plugs on the VIP exclusives, and we remove the plugs and ads from the free shows that also show up on the VIP podcast feed sometimes sooner than the general public has access to them. That's just scratching the surface. Go check out full details on VIP benefits, including retro radio shows from the early to late 1990s, our podcast dating back to the mid-2000s, back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, over 1,600 of them, and so much more. Full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Join the ranks of the most well-informed and most entertained pro wrestling fans with the best podcast lineup anywhere. Go VIP and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed also. A huge bonus. PWTorchVIPInfo.com. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have... Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled, Vince Russo is from Outer Space. And Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of racist gimmicks and poverty pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro, part three of the Landstorm Torch Talk, with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue, features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN, and a potential shift of ECW, also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party and WCW Slamboree coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000 and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the Torch covered it in 
real-time with contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash govip for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99.